This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode. Today, joining us, we have Sahar Martinez. Sahar is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she specializes in maternal mental health. I've gotten to know her through her Instagram platform, and she has so many interesting tidbits to share with us today. Today, we're continuing our conversation about COVID. I've done a couple of episodes about managing COVID and all the different changing elements that are, you know, uprooting our lives. And today, Sahar and I are speaking specifically to when COVID is triggering to our past experiences. So whether it's a traumatic experience, whether it is a lonely and challenging new mom experience that we went through, and we talk a lot about how the uncertainty and how the things going on in this time right now actually bring up and resurface a lot of um, past negative experiences that have been challenging for us. And then we also navigate some ways to deal with that when we're feeling triggered by everything that's going on right now. Really, really interesting and insightful episode. I cannot wait for you guys to listen and tune on in. Before we jump in, I just want to read our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from Mama CX4. It's titled, Found This Podcast at Just the Right Time. I'm so grateful that I stumbled across this podcast. As a mama of four kiddos in this crazy season of life, I'm experiencing mom burnout. I listened to the mom burnout episode and it literally breathed life into my soul. I cannot wait to listen to more and I'm so thankful that you are so candid about what moms everywhere probably feel on a daily basis. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for this review. As I've mentioned before, I just sit in this room, talk into, you know, the universe, it feels like, and I don't get to engage with my podcast listeners unless you're on Instagram and in DMs with me. And these reviews are really one of the only ways that I get to hear from you guys and whether this is truly helpful and having an impact. So I appreciate you taking the time to leave these reviews. I try to feature them as often as I can. And yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you being here. So let's get on into it today. Let's hear my conversation with Sahar. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Sahar, thank you so much for joining us here today. We've been back and forth trying to plan this, and then COVID just came and disrupted all, all of mm-hmm. life. So I really appreciate, even with everything going on, you taking the time, 
you know, organizing your day, your kids, your family in order to spend time with you, like here with us today. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So why don't we, like you and I have been getting to know each other on Instagram for some time, but why don't we bring the audience in on who you are? You have an Instagram platform. You and I share similar hearts in terms of working with moms. What inspired your Instagram page? How did you come to do this work to specialize in working with mothers? So in my clinical work, um, I began working with mothers from my first week of seeking clients, and that was completely random. My supervisor at the time was assigning caseloads and just threw clients my way, essentially. And the one of the first people that I sat with was a mom who had experienced uh, years prior undiagnosed um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, symptoms that aligned with that. And from that time on, it just, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was putting the feelers out there that this is the population that I was interested in working in. But I ended up that first year of my clinical training working with a lot of a lot of moms. And as I moved towards getting licensed, I um, decided to seek out like individualized, specialized training in this field. And now it's kind of the work that I do. It's my passion. Yeah. And have you always been in the Instagram space or is that something that is newer to you and you've been using your voice that way? Yeah, it's newer to me. I started a public Instagram page. So kind of a little bit of my story is I'm, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm in Southern California. And when I, I kind of unexpectedly, unexpectedly got pregnant on my wedding night. And it was in the middle of a doctor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Um, timing, hey, yeah. (laughs) We had a a big, we have a big gift from that night that will be with us forever. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, We, yeah, I was in the middle of a doctoral program. I was in in my last year of finishing my coursework when we got married. And a few weeks after we got married, we found out we were expecting. And so I, um had every intention of going back to work and going back to school like two months after I delivered and I had my son and I, my birth experience was traumatic with him. And so I was not prepared to go back. And I ended up taking two years off from seeing clients and from school and just focusing on being a mom. Mm. And um, in that time I got pregnant for a second time and we had our, our second child and when in the midst of all of this, as I was navigating motherhood and kind of negotiating how and what professional life was going to look like for me, I also felt incredibly isolated. And so I started a public um, Instagram page in order to just feel connected to other other moms, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that ended up transitioning when I went back to work, transitioned into like a professional page. And so that's kind of the space that I, the little corner of social media that I take up. Interesting. So interesting. Like I can just imagine you're on this track to your doctorate, find out you're pregnant, like total, you know, veer in the plans. And I know how sort of a type and career focused I was. And I was planning on going to my doctorate, but we got married in between like my master's and what would have been my doctorate. And life just shifted since then, you know, and I hope to go back and do it one day. But it's interesting how, Um, It is kind of like a complete shift in identity and priorities, although like I've certainly retained major parts of myself, obviously, but I've gone through this whole new shift in identity since becoming a mom. And, you know, there are other little priorities in the world, too. And it's it's craziness, but it's amazing all at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
one of the things that we were discussing in preparing for our interview today was some of the themes that are coming up, especially during this crisis COVID time and how to support people because um, it's weird. I've been like wrestling with what to share in terms of content on the podcast because I know it's so weird to talk about some some sort of lighthearted you know, topic sure. when we're in crisis, right? Like mm-hmm. people are really feeling... Um, and I mean, it's going to shift and change depending on the person, but there are things like, where are we going to like get the paycheck to pay for our next mortgage, you know, or like we're being laid off of work and big, big things are happening right now in terms of people's priorities and needs and things are shifting. So you had noticed some some interesting themes coming up in some of your sessions that we're going to talk about today, and that was the, the theme of trauma or kind of re-triggering old traumas. Yes, that's been a really big thing in, in my clinical practice and um, even just talking with friends and family is there is this like this collective feeling of being reactivated in past experiences that is you know, linked to trauma, linked to grief, linked to loss. And with that, there is also like a hesitation to acknowledge that that's what it is, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a very interesting, there's been a, a lot of interesting conversations and a lot of, you know, personally interesting self-reflection as I kind of come out of those conversations and process my own experience. But for a lot of the people that I've sat with in the recent weeks, there is this feel there's this conversation around this feels very uncomfortable and it feels very familiar and I don't like the way that it feels familiar. Hmm. That's so interesting because yeah, when you're talking about like, help me out with the connection here because you're Mm -hmm. talking about how the things that are going on right now, we've never experienced before. Like they're unprecedented, Right. right. To be in a pandemic, but it's bringing up, like you're saying these familiar feelings, like help me up. How do those things connect? So like for I can like for a specific example is that with my clients that have experienced any kind of medical or health related trauma, right? So either it's birth trauma, um, unrelated to like motherhood medical issues, cancer, loss, um, these feelings that are coming up for them, like in this time, feeling a lack of control, feeling a, an experience of the unknown. Hmm. feeling unable to steady themselves in anything because everything is ongoing and changing is connecting directly back to those feelings of like the mom who has postpartum anxiety and feels out of control and feels unable to self-regulate and ground. And so it is familiar in the sense of I've experienced this feeling before and it's connected to a very painful part of my past and this experience that's currently happening is new. And so that feels really confusing Right. That's really insightful. And I'm really starting to piece it together now in my mind as you're describing it, because I've had um, lots of different clients or even friends say, you know, well, my child had like cystic fibrosis, for example, and Mm -hmm. now that he is maybe immunocompromised, all of those fears around that diagnosis again, that maybe were under control or, you know, weren't really like rearing their heads day to day Mm -hmm. are like all consuming because COVID has just like amplified all of those things. Right. Right. So that grief around your child's health or a, a diagnosis or like an illness in the family or all of those things. Yeah. I can, I can see how those things are being stirred back up again. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a challenging time for a lot of people just like managing the day to day, 
right? right? We are we are experiencing a time when the ways that we would nourish and fill our cups in the past look vastly different right now. Mm-hmm. We're not able to have that physical connection with people. We're not able to, you know, do the things that we do day to day that maybe help us self-regulate. For myself, like going to the gym was one of the thing, one of the ways that I would decompress and de-stress. And I can't do that right now. And it sounds like something small, but in like the span of my day-to-day, when now I also like don't have a commute home from work, which would maybe be a time when I could like take 15 minutes and exhale and listen to a podcast or something. Right. These things pile up. And if we don't have an outlet for them, or if we don't have a space to acknowledge like what is happening for us, then the, that's when burnout happens, you know? And when it comes to like the idea of our traumas being reactivated, if there is not a space to process, if we can't access and utilize the ways that we have self-regulated in the past because they're just not able to happen right now, then that becomes, then you just sit in it all the time. And that becomes really, really challenging for a lot of people to move through and move around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm hearing that like our traumas have been activated and we don't really know what the feeling is. We just know that it's familiar. But then a lot of our coping strategies have been stripped from us, right? Like we can't go out with girlfriends. We can't really have a mom's night. Like you said, I had a 15, 20 minute drive in the country home and I used to listen to podcasts and I can't even do that anymore. And I'm like rushing here and there and, you know, kids around and all of that. Mm -hmm. So like, first of all, like if I am a person who has previous trauma, health trauma or like diagnosis or a sick child or like something that, you know, would be triggered by this event, a traumatic history. Like I even hear like a lot of moms who kids have had respiratory issues and have been Mm -hmm. hospitalized in the past or have had traumatic experiences with their children's health, um, majorly like triggering time for them, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So what might be something for maybe the mom who's listening who is not – who maybe wouldn't have even identified that as a trauma in the past, you know? What might be some things that we can say to her to maybe understand what she's going through or um, how we're going to talk about some self-care stuff through this time? Sure. So I think that's an important thing to touch on is that – Oftentimes when we think about the word trauma, like we don't want to assign that label to ourselves, right? Because I think oftentimes we, the way that we conceptualize things is like, oh, well, you know, I had this issue, but it ended up being okay. And like other people have it way harder than I do, right? Right. And so we minimize our experience in order to maybe attempt to validate or put value on someone else's experience, And the reality of it is, is that the things that happen in our lives that feel big to us feel that way because they are. And that is unrelated to someone else's experience that, you know, it maybe is more challenging or more devastating or just more. And so I think part of it is that acknowledgement of I went through this really hard thing. I am currently going through this really hard thing. And I kind of need to sit in that a little bit and acknowledge that and honor that experience. And so we can call it trauma. We can call it something else. You know, some of my clients don't like using the word trauma. And so we, we label it something else. We label it what they feel comfortable assigning the, you know, the word to. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's that acknowledgement piece is a really big part of it. And like that lack of minimizing. And I think that once we can get there and once we can say, like, I'm experiencing this thing emotionally, right. It's coming up in ways that I maybe. I'm less patient. I'm more, I feel more, I feel anger and I don't know where it's coming from. 
or maybe it's not that you're feeling it emotionally, but you're feeling it physically. Mm. And to identify that, like what, how those things are connected to your experience. I think that's where it starts. And then, you know, moving forward from there, a lot of it, a lot of the self-care stuff, like you said, like we can't do the things that we used to do. So for a lot of my clients, it's been like, so what was the, why was this thing that you used to do? How did that help you self-regulate? What was it about that thing? And what can we do now to help you do that? And so like, for me, part of my like wind down self-regulation time is having time alone. And that is something that I used to do like in the car driving home from work or like going to the gym. It was a time that was just mine, which I haven't had since we, you know, we started social distancing in early March. And so it's been almost two months now. And I went for a run today for 25 minutes. It was not that long of a time, but I was like, oh, this, this is the stuff. This helps me reconnect to myself, to my experience. It clears things out. And I feel like I can breathe. Mm-hmm. And so it's about figuring out the things that make you feel good, essentially, like for lack of, for just in the most basic terms, what makes yeah. you feel good? What, what helps you to exhale? It doesn't have to be this brunch with your friends. It doesn't have to be like you scheduling another Zoom call to like connect with people. It could literally just be you taking the time to say, what helps me release this tension from my body, my physical body, my emotional body? How can I like fully exhale? And that looks different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're talking, it's reminding me of like, I'm like wondering about even my own traumas or if this has like really triggered anything for me. And Mm -hmm. uh, I see a lot right now on Instagram about this feeling like the fourth trimester all over again. Yes. Right? Yes. And I'm like, right now, um, I've told a few people, like, I'm very fortunate to have an essential childcare situation and I don't have Mm -hmm. my kids at home, but I have to say my biggest trigger and fear would be what everyone unfortunately is experiencing, but because, <laughs> but this is because this is because I went through a significant postpartum depression with my third, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the thought of going back to that place is scary. Like it's sure. so scary for me, right? Like, and when we were in the uncertainty of not knowing if we were going to have daycare or not, and I'm sure so many people have been and are in this situation right now, and like when we were waiting to see from the government like what was going on and stuff, and I'm just like thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, this is what, this is what I'm going to be facing again, you know? And it's not, I know that it's not, um, because I know that I've come a long way in my healing. I know that I have a lot of the skills and the awareness and the self-talk and compassion and things that I would not be, I wouldn't return to a place like that anymore. Like I know that, but the fear is there. Mm -hmm. Like that's a scary place. And so I can so empathize and understand that that's what so many moms are feeling right now. Right. I think you touch on like such a beautiful point with that. Yeah. They're isolated. They're cut Mm -hmm. off from family. They, you know, are only with their kids day in and day out and they're not having any adult, like real adult interaction or nourishment. Everything is all about their kids at home and work and trying to put everything else, all the fires out and nothing is about them right now. And that man, that's a lot. It's a lot to carry. You know, it's a lot. And what I've heard from a lot of like friends, family, clients, just people that I've talked to is that like now that we're all at home, right. And for people who don't weren't working from home before, who are maybe working from home now or who are just at home or furloughed or have unfortunately like lost employment and who are at home, there is now like a shift in the roles that are taken on by 
like partners within the same house. Mm-hmm. And that, ha- you know, can bring on an added layer of stress. And when you have an additional layer of stress to everything that's going on, like that can make it very easy for, our, you know, our old stuff to be reactivated. Yeah. Yeah. So can we talk about how control plays into this? Because control is something that Mm -hmm. has been rattling around in my brain for the past like a week or two. I've been trying to figure out how to really articulate this in a simple way in a post because um, we all just went through and we're still going through a massive loss of control over our routines, over our structures, over our income, over our freedom of movement and activities, like such a loss of control. So... Yeah. Well, with that comes grief, with that comes so many things, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think control at foundationally brings us a sense of safety. Mm. If we can control things, if we have the power in that situation or the perceived idea of power or control, things feel safe. Yeah. Right. If I can send my kids outside to play and I know that they are like, you know, in this space that I have created for them and that they will be safe, I'm in control of it, they are safe and I don't have to worry about them, right? Mm -hmm. If I can go to work and I know that I'm going to work and I'm getting this, you know, X amount in my paycheck that will pay my mortgage or pay my rent, like I'm in control of that and we're going to be okay. When you start to take those things away from people and this feeling of loss after loss after loss happens, it's when people start to feel really out of control. It's like, I don't have anything that I can count on right now because everything is changing. Mm-hmm. And so it's a loss of stability. And that's really challenging. I don't know who that's not challenging for. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And one of the things that I've been trying to work with clients on is how to find ways that we can have healthy control in this situation through mm-hmm. things like um creating new routines and predictability in our home and with our kids so that we feel a sense of safety and security in our routine and what we're doing. There's predictability. There's something there to kind of know what to expect within our home. And we carve that out. And that is not by rigid color-coded scheduling. That is by, you know, like kind of (laughs) chunks of time or loose ideas of what we want to accomplish in the day. But heck, you know, a schedule would just stress me right out. And maybe that really works for some people and all the power to you. But to me, it does not. It just adds stress. So, um, but the same way, like we have a predictable flow, you know, Mm -hmm. and and the kids know what the routine is and we, and we've carved that out. So that gives us a sense of, of stability and control. And like you said, going for a run for me, there is just something about moving my body and feeling mm-hmm. strong in my body that like I feel strong, I feel in control, I feel like I can tackle the world, you know, like it just, it feels good to be in control of at least me and my body, yes. you know. And I think, see, I'm going to side note really quick right here. This is something that I love about the content that you put out is that there is a, it encompasses the experience as a whole, right? And I really appreciate that about what you're like, what you do. Because it talks about like, make a schedule or don't make a schedule, but find a way that works for you that makes you feel a way that makes you feel grounded. And I really appreciate that about what you put out there. Because I think that when we, when this all started, I felt like I was bombarded by color coded schedules. And like, these are all the things that you should be doing. And it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming for me because we're like you, I'm not a minute by minute, hour by hour scheduled person. Yeah. And I have an understanding about how that feels good to a lot of people. Yes. Oh, for sure. And there are people who thrive 
in that. And like, I think Absolutely. about like my teacher friends who like, that's how they yes. bring structure to their day yeah. and, and they excel in it and their kids, you know, roll with it. I could not pull that off in my home. It would <laughs> stress me out. Like I couldn't do it. We're much more like we move based on, you know, we do an activity, everyone starts to kind of fall apart and it's like, oh, it's time for a shift. And we kind of just go yeah. based on how everyone is feeling and doing. Um, and that's how, how we do it. So it's really, yeah, like it's really about finding ways, like the goal in routine and predictability is not to set an unrealistic expectation for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's just going to add more stress. It's really just about carving out that, that routine and that security within your home so that you feel like there's a sense of rhythm and a sense of certainty and kind of knowing what's coming in your day. And that helps to feel a sense of being in control. Which is, I mean, that's what we need right now. Right. And so I can tell in my household, like we get outside every morning and that is on most days, a non-negotiable. Like that is something that we do every morning. We get outside, we have at least an hour outside. Outside of that, like we stay flexible. And this is what I've told my clients is that this is a time when we need to try to embrace flexibility. Mm-hmm. Even for those of you who thrive off of, you know, a more structured day, there has to be this flexibility of expectation that like we as parents, we as mothers, we cannot be the educator, the, you know, jujitsu instructor, the art teacher, that we cannot be all these things. And so mm-hmm. it's not going to look the way it looked before. And that's okay. That's okay. It doesn't have to look the way our schedules don't have to look the way that they did before. What they do have to do is create, like you said, a sense of rhythm, which will then create a sense of stability, which just creates a sense of calm for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because there is a need to have that that safety and security, right? Like that is, it's a primary fundamental need to carve Mm -hmm. that out for ourselves. And then they're like control, just like anything else can be taken to an extreme. We can be like over controlled with our schedule and routine. And that's where we get into like, if I was trying to adhere to a schedule and I was like really rigid about it at the cost of my like sanity, because Mm -hmm. I really felt like I had to follow it to create the predictability. And then that over control is actually backfired on me because it's just creating more stress and more anxiety and things. So it's really about finding what you, what works for you and the rhythm of your family. Right. I mean, this is, this, you know, can be applied to like the conversation about reactivated trauma in the same way. So much of this is taking a moment to sit with yourself and checking in to see what it is that you need in order to create a sense of stability during this time. Hmm. Right. So whether that's with scheduling and creating a routine at home or whether that's checking in with yourself and saying fundamentally, foundationally, what it is, what is it that I need in order to feel regulated, in order to be able to breathe, in order to release some of this tension that I'm feeling? And it, with that comes again, like that's that idea of flexibility. I have to release this narrative of this is the only way that things work for me and start to look at the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. which is I need to release my tension and I need to do it by, like you said, moving my body or by like having five minutes of quiet time or just by spending time with my kids. Maybe that's it for somebody, you know, but just taking that time to check in with yourself and say, I'm feeling activated. How can I 
bring a greater sense of calm, even if it's just a little bit to this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think what happened for a lot of people or even for myself or, or um, some of the listeners have had conversations about this is that in order to manage the uncertainty of what was to come, we kicked into all these unrealistic expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm going to have this, this color-coded schedule, and I'm going to do this this way, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, instead of, like, having, um, like, grace with ourselves, we actually upped the ante in terms of the expectations. And, yeah. you know, in the middle of a crisis is probably not the time to try and raise the bar in terms of what we can accomplish, right? Like, <laughs> We're right. talking like we've just been like our the hierarchy of needs that we were working on and all of those learning and self-actualization skills have just been leveled when we're talking about our primary physical health and safety and needs and home and roof over our head and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's not the time to try to take on all the things. And this is something I've been really talking about a lot lately when it comes to the mental load is that Mm -hmm. you can only, you only have so much capacity. Like you only can take on so much and it's unrealistic to expect that you can do all the things. So I feel like expectations, realistic expectations have a really big role here because if we have unrealistic expectations that are way beyond our capacity, then we are in like this like stuck state of trying to like over control or overdo the things that we're going to, of course, we're going to be failing. We're going to feel like we're failing because we can't possibly do all the things. You know, it's so interesting because the the thought that keeps coming up for me as I continue to have these conversations about like how COVID has changed so much for people, it connects so deeply back to like that fourth trimester early motherhood experience. The like the comparison of this person's doing this thing with their kids and I should be doing, I should be mothering in this way and the yeah. isolation that has come and just the... Um, the idea that we have to go back to the way that we were and whether it's that this idea that we have to, the things have to go back to the way that they were pre COVID and, you know, mirrored by the idea that we as women have to go back to the way that we were as mothers, like prior to having kids. And there's so much like, they're so connected. Right. Yeah. I so see the parallel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, and I think that's why maybe for a lot of my clients, like this, this has been such a, it's been a really eye-opening time for them because it's reconnected them back to that early motherhood time. And for a lot of them who did experience trauma or hardship during that time, it's kind of reopened that for them to, to evaluate in a new way what life, what they need, like what their needs are, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of that is like having those expectations that are realistic. A lot of it is freeing, you know, ourselves of, fitting into a mold that maybe we don't fit into anymore. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of motherhood is, is embodied in that. I know that for myself, after having my first child, I definitely, the messages that were around me and the messages that I had held onto was I have to bounce back. I have to snap back. I have to go back to who I was before I had James. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it was that this experience, this, you know, transition into motherhood changed who I was. So I couldn't go back to that person in the same way that I think the way that our lives are structured right now is going to change a lot of who we are. And I don't know that we go back. I don't know that there is a go back. 
And so there is like a sense of, I think, loss and grief around that, that mm-hmm. life as we knew it before maybe doesn't exist anymore. And maybe part of is that part of it is grieving that loss. And part of it is stepping into a space of hope of what the future looks like. And so I think that can be really activating for a lot of people. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. 
as you're talking, I'm trying to think and understand like what is what is the parallel here? Like why are they so similar? And I feel like because now so much responsibility has fallen back onto the mom or parents' lap. Mm-hmm. In terms of schools being closed, you know, no support in the thick of it, really feeling kind of isolated and alone. Yeah. There's the piece of like it's all it's all the responsibility has shifted back to the parent, right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe this idea of like being under a microscope, like, you know, um, when you're on mat leave and you're like, well, if you are fortunate enough to get a mat leave, I know that not everybody <laughs> is. Darn it. There comes like, my Canadian. <laughs> that is my Canadian uh, privilege talking. Yeah. I know, but, um, <laughs> but like I think about mat leave or, you know, the mummy groups and things like that. And and it's like, oh, the stroller, are they doing this? How are they doing? How are they structuring mm-hmm. the day? How are the kids sleeping and like whatever? And it's yeah, like it's back on the parents' lap. And then there's, like you said, all this comparison happening. Like who's who's momming better today? Like who's keeping it all together? And it's like no yeah. one. No one's keeping it together. It's a freaking crisis. Everyone yeah. is like, you know, trying to just survive it. And it's not like – and if if they have it all together, if they're telling you they do, they're lying. Like this yeah. – <laughs> it's not, it's not 100%. Happening, you know? So yeah. yeah, like I'm trying to understand that parallel and I do, I see it like the responsibility is so much back on, on, on moms. And then because we're with our kids 24 seven, we feel the need to be back in that like mummy mode of like, let's do all the activities. Let's do all the things, but we're leaving out the minor detail that we also might be working full time from home. Uh-huh. And we might also have to be like facilitating our kids distance education. Right. So it is not comparable, although it feels like it, but it's not the same. You have even more on your plate now, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And like interesting because when I talk, I I uh guest speak in like some new mom groups that are local to here. mm -hmm. And when I've hopped on with them, they're all they all have kids under a year old. And um they will all say like this is not that difficult for us. Like we this is what we've been used to doing. Like we've been home. We've been, you know, it's flu season. So we've been social distancing because we don't want the baby to get sick. So like that part of it has been for them, I think, really like not that big of a transition. Right. Um, but when I talk to moms of who have toddlers or older kids, toddlers through teenagers, that's been it's been really interesting hearing that experience and how how much it has called back to that time in their lives when their children were babies. Yeah. 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 I can see that. I can see that for sure. And it's just like, it's a lot. I was talking to a colleague of mine the other day and we're both like therapists and, you know, her and her husband are trying to juggle when she can see clients and when he's going to work and who's going to watch the kids and all these different things. Right. And we were talking about like distance learning and I'm like, you know, I haven't even opened like, okay, I've opened it. I've opened the distance learning. I have not got my child to sit down and do – he's in junior kindergarten, like, for the record. But, like, I'm not – I can't. We're not in a place where I can be sitting with him because he's five and teaching him a math and literacy lesson and facilitating the assignments, taking videos of him every day, uploading them to the app so that the teacher can grade him. When I am working full-time, my husband is working full-time. I'm still trying to like meal prep and cook and keep a house Mm -hmm. going. Like it's just not happening. And if there's something that I have to 
to let go of in terms of prioritizing and that hierarchy of needs, I'm pretty sure that like working to pay my bills and keep our mortgage and do the things that are essential are going to trump that for right now. And and do I wish I could do more? Okay, sure. Like it would be nice. Do I feel guilty for doing what I'm doing right now? No, because oh. I am I'm taking care of what has to be taken care of, you know? But I know so many moms who are like fretting about schoolwork and like their child is like struggling with them and giving them a really hard time. And it's like you're not, you're not failing if you're not completing all of the tasks of the schoolwork, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, I just, I know moms are just really out there trying their best right now. And I think that's where it becomes really challenging is that with all of this added responsibility that's, you know, been thrown for a lot of people, there is even less time to connect with the experience, like your own experience. And so, so much of our days are spent attending to like our kids being at home or our partners being at home or our now our new like work from home life that by the time the end of the day rolls around, like, I don't really know anyone who wants to really sit there and say, like, why do I feel so activated in my experience? Because you're tired, you know? Yeah. And so then it becomes ongoing. And then that becomes, you know, often problematic for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you say, and I know we've touched on some of these things, but how would you say we manage these, like, emotional and physical responses that come up for us? Because, like you said, sometimes we're just so like dead tired by the end of the day, we may not have a lot to to think and invest in that. But other times we really need to put forth the effort to to try and regulate and manage, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think would be some things? So I think first off is just identifying like when when you're responding to something. So when something is triggering or activating you, identifying that it's happening in the moment. And a lot of times what that does is it like puts context to your experience. And so things like, you know, if your heart rate starts raising out of nowhere, um, if you find that you're getting sweaty or shaky or you just have like a a change in body temp, like what is physically going on that's causing that to happen? Um, Emotionally, like we talked about earlier, is it that you're feeling extra, like more agitated than you would normally are... Is there like a um, additional sense of fear or anxiety or anger that's coming on? And just identifying like when those things are popping up for you, I think is important to start out with. And then in regulating those, honestly, the easiest way, the fastest way is just to focus on your breath. Hmm. I think to take a second to intentionally breathe like a couple of deep breaths. And this is something that I do throughout my day. It's something that I also do with my children. Mm -hmm. Um, when I see that my kids are starting to get worked up, I'll be like, we like kind of what we say at home is like, okay, can you take a breath for me? Can you Mm -hmm. take a breath? And now that this is something that's very normalized for them. So they'll stop and they'll do it with us. And immediately you see like their little bodies just relax after the first two breaths. Mm -hmm. So I try to hold on to that for myself when I'm finding that I'm getting overly worked up or all of a sudden I feel like my heart is racing out of nowhere or something. I stop for a second and I try to breathe through it. And I think that is like off the bat, the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis. I'm a big proponent of meditation. I think that meditation is incredibly grounding. A sh- very short practice makes so much difference within your day. I use an app called Headspace, which has been a really beautiful part of my practice. Mm-hmm. But I think incorporating like that type of mindfulness into your day 
it really helps to like set the tone of it. I do my meditation in the evening and in the morning for 10 minutes each time. Mm-hmm. Um, but initially when I started, it was once a day for five, three minutes, I think. Okay. And so I think that just that little bit can help really self-regulate. And it's something that you end up coming back to. So I find like if I am feeling worked up, I will find myself like for a moment, closing my eyes, grounding myself in my experience. And that was something that was maybe more challenging before. It's interesting that you're talking about mindfulness because one of the interviews that I had done earlier, and I think that it'll be, as we're listening to this one, the week before this interview, uh-huh. um, it was um, Tara and she has founded an app called Mindful Mamas. And it's a mindfulness based oh, cool. app that is geared towards busy moms. So she has like guided meditations that. for like bathroom breaks. So if you can only like, get amazing. a 20 minute, like or a two minute, like, you know, yeah. hideaway in the bathroom and she's got you know, like longer practices with like guided imagery scripts and things like that. But she has, yeah, like uh, depending on where you're on the day, if you're like in a parking lot with your kids, you know, and you Mm -hmm. just need to steal like a a two or three minute kind of take a deep breath and reset. She has some really cool resources there. And, and that's the thing that I've found with mindfulness is like, I don't always have the time to carve out like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes sure. to do like a guided imagery. So I find like that's a really practical way because it's in those transitions or in like after mm-hmm. I've just got all the kids out to the bus, which isn't happening in COVID. But and once I'm getting all the kids out of the house that I'm just like, oh man, I need to breathe because like my jaw is clenched and I'm just like mm-hmm. bitter from how that morning went, you know, so I think anything that we can do to ground ourselves in what is presently, like our present experience is important. And I think that as a parent, you find that time whenever it is. It's a bathroom break. It's maybe it's while you're making your kids lunch, whatever that looks like. Anything that is a, I don't want to say quiet, a semi-quiet moment where maybe your kids are set up with an activity and you can take a minute to breathe, take Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And so I know like for myself as a, in my clinical work, Mindfulness and meditation has been something that I have um, offered to my clients for years. It is something that recently has been become a part of my personal life because in my head, I was like, ah, I'm busy. Like, I don't, yeah. when do you want me to fit this in? Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, and I, so I started small. I started with three minutes a day and I was like, mm-hmm. three minutes, I can devote three minutes to anything. Right. Like that's not, you know, that's I, it's three minutes. It's less time that it takes me to order a coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. You know, and so I think what happens when you end up incorporating that into like an intentional practice is that you see it then manifest throughout your day without intention Mm -hmm. because your body has now learned how to make that mind body connection to self regulate when you need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about like the value of what we call in our home, like a reset or something. Mm -hmm. So we will do, um, Go Noodle is like it's a yes. channel. It's an app, and we, we love Go do, Noodle. They have like freeze and melt, right? So like mm-hmm. a progressive body relaxation yeah. kind of for kids. And so we'll all do a reset, like when the kids are just and trust me, they are like at each other's throats. Like they're just at the age where they're like tumbling and wrestling yes. and all the things. And so when it's like we need to either shake our sillies out and get moving, mm-hmm. or we need a reset and we're gonna do. They have like the rainbow breathing, or they have the um like the melting one and we kind of practice it together and it's just like a really good reset as a family if I can't steal those couple minutes away or if everybody needs the reset not just me you know so 
Yeah, there's even some really great resources to incorporate that like as a family as well. Absolutely. I know I think that like what we have to identify is that there is a like collective experience, right? And so that the greater collective experience is that we're in a global pandemic and we're all in our own ways going through this. Um, Some have it a lot harder than others, but it's like that umbrella of we are all going through a major, major life transition right now. Mm-hmm. And on a smaller sense, like within our family, there's a, co- a collective experience. And if one person is activated in their like past trauma or in their you know past challenging experience, and that is triggered or activated, I would be very shocked if the other people within that home are not also like tangentially activated by it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if we can find ways to self-regulate as a family, as a, you know, collectively, that becomes really helpful because we kind of, I mean, I really believe like we feed off of that energy of, off one another. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a post I saw floating around um, earlier this week, and this is what really helped to like squash any of the guilt that I may have had around the school stuff was that like. Uh, it was like a post from teachers. I think maybe Kat and Nat shared it and it got shared a bun- like across a bunch of pages. And it was essentially saying that, you know, from a teacher's perspective, the teacher's talking and she's saying, like, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Your child will have the opportunity to learn the things that they have missed next year. Mm-hmm. What I as a teacher cannot help them with is like the social and emotional trauma that they may mm-hmm. be experiencing because of this experience. So like, you know, like lean into the connection and predictability and essentially like caring for your kid because that's the stuff that I cannot help them with. Like that's, you know, the so parents cool. stuff to to work on. And I was just like, isn't that so true? Like it just was such a nice affirmation to have. Like, yeah, like we're doing the right thing by just creating that predictability and security and connection and making sure that we're all coping and, and managing through this time. And we, we'll catch up on the rest after, you know? I think it's a really valid point. I think that, you know, when we think about trauma, we think of it as being this like catastrophic life-altering event, right? And like for our kids, this is like the biggest life event or life change or life loss that a lot of them have experienced. Yeah. You know, like, you know, my kids were in school five mornings a week around their friends and other kids and their teachers who they like so deeply love. And that in a, you know, from one day to the next completely changed for them. Right. And so I think it's important in validating their experience and saying, I, I see how hard this is for you. In the same way that we would want someone to say to us, like, I see how hard this is for you, you know, that's important to do. And it's important because it validates their experience. It validates their feelings. And it's saying it's okay to feel the way that you feel. It's okay to have hard days. Like, this is hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm just thinking in my mind of (laughs) all of the posts I've seen this week from friends who are like... There's this whole like COVID parenting kind of like joke my friends mm-hmm. and I have where they've been home quarantined with their kids for so long. And and obviously, 
kids are like missing friends and out of routine and stuff that now there's this kind of like style of parenting where anything goes kind of oh yeah obviously like within reason but you know yeah screen time tablets like those are (laughs) my big guns are out my friend had a like she's a director she like manages a like a big team and she had like an essential um like conference call or something she had to be on and she comes out to her kids hiding under the table with like a tub of Nutella (laughs) just like (laughs) living their best life you know like just and and if if we can kind of like try and manage as best as we can through this like our kids are gonna look back on some of these times and just love it like who they're gonna like it was the most fun right like hiding under the big dining room table or kitchen table just mowing Nutella sounds like the life I want to be living right now (laughs) right so much fun so like I think that they're like, while it is a change for our kids, and I'm sure like it definitely has taken some adjusting and that might come out in their behaviors and in different things. I think that this can also be a really special time. Like we've done some really cool and creative fun things mm-hmm. um, that we wouldn't have otherwise done if we could have just like gone to the like play group or whatever, you know. Right. So there sure. are some neat memories and some um, funny memories that hopefully once we get out of all this, we'll really be able to look back on and laugh at. But um, that's not to minimize how hard some some moments are as well. You know, I recognize, like, I'll speak for myself. I recognize the privilege in living in a home that feels safe where I can enjoy these experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has been something that I was not mindful of before that I am mindful of now, where I have really enjoyed this time with my husband and with my kids. And I like on a very, um, I'm very aware that that is not everyone's experience. And so I feel incredibly grateful to have the times, the most time my family has spent together uninterrupted ever. Yeah. Like we, since we had kids, my husband and I both work, our kids are in school. We've, you know, up until two weeks ago, I've had help with childcare, whether it's from family or from the angel that comes and helps us with our kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I recognize that, to say like, oh, it's so nice to have weeks on end, like to spend with my husband where he doesn't have to go to work and I don't have to go to work and to have this time with our kids. And this feels safe and good and full of love is a privilege. Right. And it's one that I'm incredibly grateful for, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it does really, it does really depend where, where you are on sort of that hierarchy of, of, of needs and security, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, person where maybe both parents in the home have been laid off because their businesses are closed or they're running a small business, their experience may be very different from um, the person who could easily move their job to be remote from home. And, you know, every person's going to have their challenges and their grief and their loss around the Mm -hmm. changes. Like I'm sure that even in your privilege, you've had your challenges, you know? So minimize like my experience or anyone's experience, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, part of my dad is immunocompromised. My parents live very close to us and for, we're used to seeing them all the time. Right. They like help take care of our older son. They, like, he loves having his dates with his mom and and papa. And a part of our, like the collective loss of our family is not having that time together. Mm-hmm. My sister had a baby in December. She lives down the street from us and we haven't been able to spend time with our nephew. Yeah. And so there is loss in that sense where there is this 
you know, immense sense of grief and loss of like, we will never have this time back. And that's really hard. Right. And to see that reflected in our children where they struggle with not being able to see family that they are used to seeing has, you know, also been very challenging. Right. Right. But within your own immediate sort of nuclear family, you've got a safety and a security there. Absolutely. You know, a a loving partnership and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everyone's like family dynamics. You have single moms maybe at home Mm -hmm. isolating with no support and all kinds of different dynamics where, Yeah. yeah, where the challenges are unique and different for sure. For sure. It's interesting. It's like this time, I'm not grateful for this time. Like this sucks. <laughs> you know, right, like right. this whole thing sucks. And so I'm not grateful for this time. I'm not grateful for this experience. What I am grateful for is the awareness that it's brought, the awareness that it's brought in my life. That I'm grateful yeah. for that, you know. Yeah. 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 And it's it's interesting because I kind of wrestle with a bit of that privilege as well, where my husband used to be gone like 12, 12 and 14 hour days mm-hmm. into the city, which is the traffic in Toronto is comparable to LA. Like it's crazy. Wow. He's like usually commuting like an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes wow. each way to work. And now he's working from home. So um, on one hand, I'm so, I feel so fortunate or grateful, not fortunate, fortunate is probably not the right word, but like grateful for his presence in the home right now, you know, like, yeah. Um, and then I, I am going to be so relieved and excited when COVID lifts and when we mm-hmm. get back to living life, it's not going to be the same, but the new normal and what that's going to look like. But then that will also be a lot of shift in responsibility back onto me and a lot of anxiety in itself on how, how to resume all the things that have been on pause. And that's probably an entire episode in itself that many yeah. are going to anticipate and feel is like, how do we transition back now out of the home into so many things? things that maybe have piled up or these big things, like any transition I feel like can be anxiety provoking. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that maybe like, we know, we cross that bridge when we get to it, who knows when that will be, but maybe it's that we don't take everything from life before COVID into life after COVID. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I think that I can, you know, for in Orange County, there is where I live, there is this, um, like your kids should be in every activity and they should be playing a sport and taking an art class and doing dance class and going, you know, it's so much pressure Mm -hmm. to check off all these boxes. And in this time being at home free of that, that pressure, I've seen my kids flourish in really different ways. And I've seen myself and my husband flourish as parents in really different ways. And it's been really eye opening and really beautiful to witness. Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. And I'm going to spend some time on that. And I will. I'll kind of carve out an episode on what that transition back looks like. I remember mm-hmm. um, this is just – this speaks to, like, my busy mind and, and my temperament a little bit. <laughs> is that any any transition – so, like, and if I would transition from being off of school for the summer as, like, a student mm-hmm. and I would transition back to class, like, the anxiety of that tra- transition, just the, like – the being preparedness, like I would miss a class and like I'm dreaming about like having slept in and miss my alarm (laughs) and like these types of things where I could very much 
feel the the like energy and sort of tension of that transition coming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I suspect the government will open things up slowly, that it's not just going to be like, bam, like life resumes yeah. as normal. Um, but I do think that there will be a little bit of that. There will be a little bit of this anticipatory like, oh, for moms, like – maybe partners are back out of the home and there's a lot of responsibility that shifts back onto them. And mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that that's something that I will, I'll think about in terms of an episode because transitions like transitioning, uh, like we didn't have time to think about the transition into this. It was like, bam, and it happened and we were right. like forced to adjust. Right. But transitioning right. out of it will look a little bit different and mm-hmm. uh, might require some support in some different ways. So yeah, definitely. But you know, it's interesting God. because even though like, you know, we have so many months to pre- like prepare for the transition into parenthood, right? Like you spend, I mean, I found out I was pregnant literally at the moment I got pregnant. So I had eight months to, <laughs> to trans, you know, decide what that transition was going to look like, quote unquote, prepare for that transition. And then I had my son and I was like, my world was rocked, right? And so I think that we can try to prepare, right? As best as we can. But the reality of it is like, we won't really know what it's like until we do it. And so that in comes like that, that grace with yourself, that sense of flexibility, those, um, those relaxed expectations. Yeah. Um, This is going to be a transition. It's, you know, going to be challenging in a lot of ways and that's okay. Like we will figure it out just like we've figured it out in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think about a preparedness for a transition like that, like I really mean in terms of mindset, right? Like mm-hmm, because sure. when we are thinking about the next step, um, if we're prone to any kind of anxiety or whatever, yeah. it's like the worst case scenario. Like, you know, right. Like catastrophizing about, things. Right. Like when I was yeah. on mat leave, for example, and my husband had like two weeks off and then he had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to survive without him mm-hmm. here. Like, you know, when obviously we did, we survived. Yeah. And I think that um there's so many maybe little practical things or just even even that flexibility um, or realistic expectations in ourselves or even just those compassionate thoughts to have on hand for that day when we're you know yes. there are the transitions back to say like we're gonna figure it out you figured it all out up right until radical self empathy and you're gonna figure it out yeah like you've handled every curveball that's been thrown your way up until this point and you'll continue yeah. to handle yes. the ones that come you know mindset is such a huge part of it you know yeah. it really really is yeah just like it's a huge part of you know how how we function right now like if we go into it with a mindset that is radically accepting that we're in this situation you know we don't have to necessarily accept it as our new normal there's nothing that's normal about what's going on right now right but we do have to maybe accept not maybe we have to accept that this is happening right and that we will adjust and that we will move through it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how incredibly resilient and and flexible and adaptive we are as human beings. yes mm-hmm. yes it's, it's mm-hmm. beautiful yeah Oh, Sahar, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a fun and insightful conversation. And like, where are you hanging out online? You know, like I'll be keeping an eye out for like your podcast or like your course you want to create, you know, while you're also (laughs) momming and doing your dissertation and trying to like survive life one of these days, you know, when you have spare time on your hands. But where where are you hanging out? (laughs) Um, I'm on Instagram at Sahar Martinez MFT, uh, on Facebook at Sahar Martinez MFT, on Twitter, all those, mostly on Instagram. My yeah, I'm on all those, all those other spaces, but I'm my most of my focus is on Instagram. 
on Instagram. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and then you're kind of mumming it through with the rest of us. I love getting like little glimpses behind the scenes and <laughs> people's kids and it's so fun. It's so nice. So thank you. Thank you again thank for you. organizing your time to be with us. And I've so appreciated having you. Thanks for having me. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that we're discussing today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job.